Welcome to this episode of Real Christianity. I'm your host, Dale Partridge. And as many of you know, you can find the show notes for these episodes at our ministries website at relearn.org. This is a podcast that's completely funded by our listeners and financial supporters at relearn.org. If you guys would uh, prayerfully consider supporting our work at relearn.org, you can go to relearn.org forward slash donate. And that really helps us continue on this ministry, producing this podcast, uh, supporting our other ministries, uh, getting more content uh, out to the Christian community. Uh, Today, I wanted to have a short discussion about the need for rigorous study of your Bible. Now, as you guys know, uh, we are inundated right now with ideas and information and perspectives uh, more than ever before. And I I want you to, I think I'm just going to offer you a pastoral perspective on this. A hundred years ago, as a pastor, um, you know, the, the last thing a church member heard as they were entering your church on Sunday, uh, the last thing they heard about the Bible was from your sermon the previous week. <laughs> Today, people leave uh, the teaching of their pastor and the sermon that they heard on Sunday. And between that time and the following Sunday, they're consuming several different podcasts from varying Bible teachers. They're listening to nearly a hundred different worship songs. Uh, They're possibly skimming articles uh, sent by friends on moral issues, on, uh, you know, issues relating to politics, you know, to doctrine and theology. Uh, They are commenting and engaging on online posts regarding Christian life or Christian issues. Um, And they're probably reading a book or two by a Christian author. And this all happens in one week. And I I expect that you as the average listener are one of these people. Uh, This podcast is one of those points of content that I'm specifically talking about. Uh, That next Sunday, as you enter in to the church, uh, you know, these church members return with hundreds of new influences regarding doctrine and theology and moral issues and political issues and how those interplay with the Christian life, uh, to which the pastor, and that is the spiritual shepherd in your life, the First Timothy 3, uh, Titus 1 qualified elder uh, who is your spiritual guide in your local church, uh, he has to... Um, in a sense, compete with all of these outside influences. And in many cases, he um, has to help the church member sift through what they've consumed to verify what is true or false. And uh, in addition, uh, you know, just from my own experience, the pastor has to be constantly on guard and really willing to correct and even detox Uh, church members from the lies that they learn throughout the week. And in a very real way, um, you know, the pastor has to help people unlearn uh, the false ideas that they've picked up uh, throughout all of this content consumption um, and relearn 
that's a little plug for relearn.org there, right? Uh, relearn the Orthodox biblical historical Christian faith or the Christian doctrine. And um, so I just want to give you guys some perspective of, of how things have changed in church history for the pastor and for the church member from 100 years ago to today. Uh, you know, in the 1800s or the 1600s or the 1400s, you know, you would have your pastor and you would hear a sermon and you would just study that sermon and, and read your Bible based off of what the pastor taught. And any questions you might have had would have been directed maybe to your parents, your father, or a deacon or elder in your church. Uh, there would have been no other, you know, intense, varying outside spiritual influences uh, competing with the river of truth that comes from your trusted local pastor. And so, uh, as you can see, this is just a daunting task for today's pastors. And in this emotional culture that we live in, um, you know, people are easily swayed and spiritually impressionable. Um, and this should bring concern for any pastor, and it does for me as a pastor, for sure. And personally, I find myself praying regularly for our congregation. I pray for their protection against the adoption of heretical or false ideas about God. Uh, I pray for wisdom and conviction and discernment uh, regarding the truth. I pray for revelation of the doctrines by the Holy Spirit um, while they are reading the scriptures. I pray for resolve that they're not going to be easily influenced or moved by the attractive yet deceitful and deceptive uh, Christian content that's all over the internet right now. Uh, but the prayer that I pray the most, and I think every pastor should, and, and every Christian just needs to know this uh, to pray for themselves, is I pray for an increased appetite to study the Word of God. I, I'm not talking about <clears throat> a task to do. I'm not talking about a behavior modification to make. Um, sure, there is some ground in that, but what I'm saying is I don't want you to just go out and just do something more. I want you to have an increased appetite for the Word of God and for uh, understanding sound doctrine and theology. And so that's my prayer for you. Uh, and I, I'll close this podcast today with a prayer, uh, asking God for that for your life. I, I don't want you to just go read the Bible because I'm telling you to go read the Bible more. I want the Holy Spirit to come in and divinely produce a stronger and intense appetite for the truth and to seek that out through a variety of means. And, um, and so that's part one of what I wanted to talk about, this idea of just having this increased appetite because we're dealing with these things. We have lots of confusion in the church today. We have lots of counterfeits in the church today, and we need um, solid, sound doctrine. And we need Christians to know where to find that, how to increase um, biblical literacy, um, how to increase doctrinal and theological literacy. And I want to give you a few 
pieces of scripture that would ground my reasoning for doing this. And then I'm actually going to share with you um, several resources that I think you can take over a year that if God will increase that appetite and you can accomplish these seven steps that I have, I really think that you will be prepared to stand and defend the Orthodox Christian faith. So let me just talk about two passages of scripture that really call us to do this. So this is not Dale telling you to do this. This is the Holy Spirit, the word of God tells us to seek out the truth diligently. So uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, I've definitely done sermons uh, or done podcasts on this verse. Uh, I don't know exactly which podcasts they were, but if you've been a longtime listener, you've heard me harp on this passage before, you should memorize it. Um, In the ESV, it says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Um, this passage is a call to be diligent, um, to do your best. Um, this isn't to work yourself into uh, oblivion where you're just studying and pouring. I see so many pastors and so many students of the scripture actually study the word so much they're actually compromising their health, they're compromising their family, they're compromising their priorities in their home. Um, but do your best with what you have. And if you only have, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes a day that you can fit in right now, work to increase that time, but do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. One that is, um, that knows the truth, that is prepared to fulfill great commission work, uh, to go therefore and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, It says, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. We are, um, as great commission uh, Christians, uh, workers in the kingdom in varying degrees. Um, And we have a duty and a call uh, to preach the gospel. And um, we need to be prepared to do that. And it closes with rightly handling the word of truth. Uh, You can handle the truth wrongly. Um, you can handle the scriptures incorrectly, and many people do. So there's a call for doctrinal accuracy and uh, proper interpretation. Uh, these are not scholarly issues. These are average Christian issues. You must learn how to interpret the Bible correctly, okay? I'm just, I just cannot talk about that enough. We, as average Christians, need to learn how to interpret the Bible. That means you need to understand the basic rules of grammar. You should probably understand the basic structure of an argument or clauses. You should read carefully. You should understand context and uh, and history and culture so that you can best extract the meaning faithfully from the scriptures. Uh, this next passage is 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, another one worth memorizing. And again, we need to be memorizing scripture as often as we can because it's very possible at least the digital Bibles are going to be taken off the shelf. I know that Amazon, I've just recently heard uh, Amazon is starting to uh, eliminate the sales of certain books that stand against um, 
political convictions of Amazon. And so I expect that we're going to see a lot of books no longer be carried, at least by secular places, and including Bibles. And so I expect that we are going to see a need for an increased memorization of Scripture. But 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all Scripture is breathed out by God. That Greek word is theopneustos, right? Breathed out. It's, it's, it's His. It comes from within Him. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That, okay, this is, that is a, it's called a purpose clause. Sometimes it'll say, so that. That means why? What's the purpose? Why is it like this? That the man of God, uh, that word man is anthropos in the Greek, and anthropos is, is mankind, humans. It doesn't necessarily mean male. Um, it just means mankind. That the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Uh, some people have translated that, that the man of God may be complete um, and uh, prepared and capable, um, equipped for every good work. The word of God has an ability to equip us for anything that life throws at us. Therefore, we should not let it sit as a dusty book on our shelf or not let it be uh, simply, you know, 10 minutes in the morning. Um, I promise you that you will never regret the hours that you pour into the scriptures. One thing I often tell people, it's not how many years you've known the Lord, it's how many hours. And what I mean by that is how many hours do you spend with him? That's really what determines spiritual uh, maturity or biblical literacy. People have been Christians for 25 years, but they only do a, you know, they spend five minutes every three, you know, days in the Bible. Uh, But then there's people who have known the Lord for only two years and spend two hours a day studying and laboring and pouring over the word of God. And so I, I just want to encourage you that the Bible promises us that the scriptures are enough to complete us and equip us for every good work. Um, and I could teach a whole sermon on that, and I got to keep moving on. So again, let me just offer you some useful direction for increasing not only your biblical literacy, but again, your doctrinal and theological literacy. Um, you know, Dr. Stephen Lawson, who's one of my professors at the Master's Seminary, uh, he did a short video for Ligonier titled uh, something like how to increase my biblical literacy my biblical literacy you can find that on youtube but it's a simple search and a really good resource i'll be saying a few things that he says in that video as well but the first thing that i want to uh, help you distinguish is the difference between reading your bible and studying your bible um, reading is really just understanding the narrative, the story of Scripture, while studying is understanding the implications of Scripture, the connection of Scripture, the theological claims, the, you know, what does this mean for me? Um, how does this actually uh, have jurisdiction in the way that I change my behavior or think or uh, form my ideas about God? Uh, and you need both. You need to read um, and enjoy. That's why there's really wonderful readers Bibles that you would actually just read to enjoy. And then there's actually study Bibles. There's exegetical Bibles. There's um, you know Bibles that'll help you understand 
um, some of the cultural and histor- historical issues that are going on in the Bible. Um, but again, you need both. Now, I want to offer you guys seven resources that I believe will catapult any Christian uh, far beyond the average churchgoer, the average Christian, and that'll equip you for being ready to face the onslaught of false ideas in the church with conviction, boldness, and sound arguments. And unfortunately, we have so many Christians that are not sitting under the regular um, faithful expository preaching of the Word of God um, from qualified elders on a weekly basis. Uh, there's so many unchurched or underchurched or nomadic Christians in uh, the world right now that we often need some of these supplemental resources to help frame up and form up our correct theology. And I want to offer those tools to you now. Um, again, there's nothing better than just making sure that you are in a faithful church, a good Bible church. Uh, I would say a good reformed Bible church, a reformed Baptist church, or, uh, a, a faithful reformed Presbyterian church. Um, these, these are, um, this is critical to be under expository preaching on a regular basis. If you don't know what expository preaching, and I did an episode with uh, Dr. Stephen Lawson a few episodes back on expository preaching, you could also listen to his preaching. You can also listen to Dr. John MacArthur's preaching uh, on a regular basis. He does episodes on the podcast. I think it's the Pulpit Podcast is what it's called every single week. And in my opinion, Dr. MacArthur is the greatest expositor of our time era and will be viewed that way in church history uh, for all of time. He he is a fantastic, gifted, called expository preacher. And uh, I think if you just use him as an example that you can measure your church experience against, uh, I think that'll be very helpful for you. Um, you can also use their website. They have um, on their website at, I think it's the Master Seminary or it might be at Grace Community Church, other churches uh, that are associated with their church or men that have graduated from the Master Seminary and have now planted churches. You could find a church directory there. Um, so those are some great uh, resources for you to check out as well. But these seven resources, okay? So I'm going to give you seven of them. And I think if you can do these over a one-year period, it'll absolutely Put your maturity, your spiritual maturity into overdrive and put you at a place where you probably already should be. But we are so, again, anemic, lacking regular expository preaching, lacking regular biblical church community, uh, lacking teaching on doctrine and theology. We need supplements. And Sadly, we have thousands and thousands of options for us in supplements um, with all the podcasts and the articles. And so I'm just going to narrow it down to some really great resources that I've used over the years uh, that I have taught to the people in my church, that I have taught to the students at our school at Reformation Seminary. Um, So number one, step one, uh, buy a study Bible. And I'm going to give you two study Bibles. Buy the Uh, MacArthur Study Bible in the NASB, if you can, um, or the ESV Study Bible. 
And if you have not read the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, I want you to do that in one year. And I want you to read the Old Testament. They're called OTI and NTI, Old Testament introductions and New Testament introductions. And read them. There's one at every book. All 66 books have an Old Testament introduction or a New Testament introduction. It's about one page, gives you the background, the overview, the the audience, the author, etc. I want you to read those and read the entire Bible. You don't need to read all the commentaries, but the commentaries below are available for you if you get stuck on something or see something that you have a question about. Um, I, I just encourage you, step one, if you haven't read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation straight through, please do that. That's step number one. <clears throat> Step number two, uh, I want you to read a book on how to interpret the Bible. Um, and I want you to start that book at the same time when you start your Bible reading. And my favorite book on interpretation, I think, is a simple uh, first step. It's not overwhelming. It's on the concept and the, the discipline of hermeneutics, which is the art and science of biblical interpretation. But it's not overwhelming, and you can read this. It's called Grasping God's Word, and I want you to get the fourth edition on Amazon. Um, This will be a great tool for you to learn how to interpret the Bible properly. Okay, number three, I want you to read a book on biblical theology. This is uh, the theology that basically shows that, that Scripture is one unified story from Genesis to Revelation that is preparing you for and pointing you to Jesus Christ. And there is a simple, small, short, little purple book called Biblical Theology by Nine Marks that you can buy on Amazon as well. I'm talking maybe 110 pages, very short. So I want you to understand biblical theology. I want you to buy uh, and read Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Now, I don't agree with everything in Grudem's Systematic Theology, but I agree with a lot of it. And um, he is a trusted resource. He's over, I believe, at the Phoenix Seminary in Arizona. Um, This is a longer book. Um, You're going to read this again in tandem with your Bible reading. It'll take you probably several months to get through it if you have a decent pace. It is a vital resource for you to understand the systematic, how the systems of theology um, work together, how soteriology works with God's providence and the doctrine of God. And you just need to understand that. And so I, I could talk too much about that, but again, read Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Uh, number four, I want you to read all 150 Psalms all the way through. I want you to do that twice in 30 days. Okay, the Psalms are so rich and understanding the character of God, um, there is just no replacement for doing that. So I want you to just read the Psalms all the way through, all 150 Psalms twice, and I want you to do that in 30 days. Number six, I want you to read John, Romans, and Ephesians, and I want you to read them 10 times each over 90 days. Now that's a lot. Uh, before I preach on a book, I try to read it, if I can, depending on the timeline, I try to read it 10 times before I preach on it. Uh, I think John MacArthur has even said that he's might have tried to read it 25 to 50 times before he would preach on it. So uh, if you can, 
Um, this is again, I think just the ultimate setup for you just taking your spiritual maturity, your biblical literacy from zero up to 90 uh, or from 25 up to 90, right? Read John Romans and Ephesians. Those are some of the, I think those are three books are the towers of core New Testament gospel theology. And then number seven, I want you to read the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. And you can order a copy of that in modern English at founders.org. It's like less than five bucks to buy it. Um, So again, step one, buy the MacArthur Study Bible or ESV Study Bible, read the entire Bible. Step two, read the book on biblical interpretation, grasping God's word. Step three, read the book on biblical theology. Step four, read Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Step five, read all 150 Psalms twice in 30 days. Number six, read John Romans Ephesians 10 times each over 90 days. Number seven, read the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. You can order it again at founders.org. It's short. I think it's like 80 pages. It's a shorter, but it's a small book, but it will give you a robust understanding of the historical confessions, what that is, what we have believed to be true, organized, written down collection of what is the faith, what is the Christian faith. J.C. Ryle uh, once said, we should no more tolerate false doctrine than we would tolerate sin. Meaning that the same effort that you exert to examine if any sin is in your life should be put forth in examining if you have any heresy in your mind. We need to be careful that we aren't believing false doctrine. And the the reality is, is that at some degree, all of us are holding some sort of false ideas, but we are working diligently and prayerfully to get to that orthodox truth. And there are some areas that are mysteries. There are some areas that you have godly men and women who um, would have two different perspectives on the same passage. Um, so, But we do need to be in a pursuit just as equal to eradicate sin from our lives as we are to eradicate false doctrine or just um, ignorance, you know, doctrinal ignorance from our minds as well. Uh, John MacArthur said, um, people always say to me that doctrine and theology are divisive to which I respond, yes, they are. They divide the truth from error. And I think that's a wonderful perspective is that when we have doctrine, yes, it'll divide you from people, but what it's really doing is it's dividing truth and error. And we are entering, guys, as I close here, an era of Christianity that will not sustain you if you hold to false ideas about God. When the suffering comes, when the persecution comes, when the affliction comes, you're not going to be able to stand. Um, you're not going to be able to view those things, I should say, uh, through the lens of scripture and peace and clarity. And if you can't do this, you're going to either fall or compromise or shudder or, or crack under the pressure of the coming times for the Christian church. Uh, now is the time to solidify the cement of your doctrine and theology to prepare your hearts uh, for uh, the increasing hostility against the church. I'll close with a Richard Baxter quote. 
Uh, He says, Why are not our hearts continually set upon heaven? Why dwell we not there in contrast? Why are not our hearts continually set on heaven? Why dwell not there in constant contemplation? Bend thy soul to study eternity. Busy thyself about the life to come. Habituate thyself to such contemplations and let not those thoughts be seldom or cursory, but bathe thyself in heaven's delights. I love reading from the Puritans. They remind us of that desire for heavenly things. Guys, if you're a regular listener to the show, thank you. Uh, You guys can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, You can look at at Dale Partridge for Twitter. I'm putting out content there about a daily basis. On Instagram, we're putting out content every single day uh, and Facebook, just at relearn.org. You could find us there. Uh, If you're a regular listener, also thank you for those who have left a review. If you have not left a review for this podcast, please do so. Uh, The reviews absolutely help the exposure of this show. Um, You don't even need to write anything. You can just tap the stars. But if you do write something, I will read it. I have been encouraged by those of you who have left those reviews. On that note, um, thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. Again, I'm your host, Dale Partridge. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Christianity. If you're a regular listener to this show, would you prayerfully consider making a donation to support our ministry efforts? Simply visit relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearn.org forward slash donate. And for those looking to explore the idea of joining or planting a church in your home, you can download our free PDF ebook titled The Basics of Biblical House Church by visiting relearn.org forward slash house. Lastly, do you have a theological question you would like answered on the show? Submit your question at relearn.org forward slash question. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. We will see you next Wednesday.